I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Oh, yeah. Oh, that beer tastes nice. Last minute uh, pyrotechnics. Yeah, it's one to borrow from Titus. You know, sit down, son, I'm going to tell you a story. Once oh, upon yeah. a time, I ran over your dog last night. <laughs> <laughs> true, true story. I think one of the first instances where I had to deal with death as a child was um, we lived out in the middle of the woods on a farm. And uh, the bus came out like seven miles to come and get us on this one route that winded through. It literally, I had to get on the bus an hour before um, school started. It rode the bus for an hour. And I had uh, a golden retriever that literally would chase after every last fucking car, truck, uh, milk truck, you know, anything that drove past. And... Of course, I'm coming home from school one day, dog darts out, bus runs right over him. Oh, no. Right over him. And I'm like, and that was just like, holy shit. That like totally messed me up. <laughs> Jesus. a kid, man. <laughs> you know, I used to ride around with my dad on his motorcycle and they didn't have a you know seat for little kids. So he actually would bungee cord me to his chest. <laughs> We would ride around on the motorcycle, and one time he hit a dog while we were riding, and uh, he, like, went and knocked on every door holding that animal until he found whose dog it was. That's both chivalrous and horrifying, because all I can see is me being, like, six years old, and a biker knocks on the door holding my dead dog's carcass, but I hit your dog. He looked pretty intense, but he had a little kid with him, so I'm sure that helped out, you know? Yeah, 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 that's the end. (laughs) <laughs> any any uh, dead dog stories, Mark? Well, that wasn't my only one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, the other uh, one. Is, is, is that how we're starting the episode? All dead dog, dog professionals. No, Welcome that's... to another episode of Astro Radio Z, folks. This episode number fifty six is dead dog confessionals. I and hope you guys really dig this. <laughs> Mark. No, I <laughs> no, I actually don't have any dead dogs. Good segue into Frankenweenie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, folks. Here's another episode, uh, rather unconventional intro to this show. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. I hope you guys enjoyed our last episode with Mr. Andrew Shearer. How you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm good, man. I'm real good. Thanks for letting me. Well, thanks for doing that interview to start with. I feel like I, uh, anyone that's listened to it that's also going to listen to this has already heard half of what I might say. So. <laughs> Awesome. Has anybody reached out to you since we did that episode last week? Yeah, yeah. Some people in the bands that I was in were kind of pissed off at me. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> what did they have to say? They're like, who did you hate? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God. Of course. <laughs> I'm like, you listen to an hour thing and take 10 seconds out of it, man. Bzz, bzz. Welcome. 
Welcome to our narcissistic culture, man. Well, I was just like, man, that, <laughs> and why, do you want to know why I quit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you will slap uh, yourself for asking that question. <laughs> Take your hand, open it up. Now hit yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> I want to spend Red's money. <laughs> So next to Mr. Andrew Shearer, of course, is my right-hand man, the the man, the myth, the legend, the frou-frou drink king of Wisconsin, Mr. Mark the Movie Man, who surprisingly has no dead dog stories to tell tonight. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got my Henry's Hard Soda. Uh, the hard ginger ale is flowing, so we're doing well today. Now, didn't you do the, the orange drink, the last one? No, uh, it was uh, not your father's root beer, I think. Oh, no, maybe I had this ju- as well. I don't like orange too much, so I, wait, I'm not a big wait, orange wait. guy. Wait, you don't like orange crush? No, I like orange crush, all right. I just don't like too many orange things. So I, I decided to stick with the uh, ginger, hard ginger ale because the hard orange, I think I don't think I'd like too much. So. Oh, man, orange crush has got to be, you know, if there's any vice in the world – Orange Crush is is something that you know what if that's out I'm gonna be drinking the motherfucking shit out of that I don't know <laughs> Andrew are you a big Orange Crush drinker I'm a I'm a Haritos man that's me Oh man Oh Orange Crush forget yeah. it <laughs> Kiss the teeth goodbye dude <laughs> I'll get it if I'm like eating like some if somewhere that's got like that sells pop like a like a like on the fountain like a fast food or whatever if there's an orange or grape option i'll take the orange or grape option oh grape now you're talking great grape crush is good grape crush that shit is super sweet i don't know but no in the store i'm uh, all haritos haritos lime and haritos pineapple they're good oh man lime those are some good ones too oh shit now i want some soda god damn it don't do it Uh, I'll just have to drink this beer. And last oh, but darn. not oh darn, a Wisconsinite drinking beer. What a shocker. What a fucking shocker. And last but not least, Mr. Daniel Edenfield has come back to talk some horror movies tonight. Sir, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> oh, okay. man. Well, I'll, let me tell you, the last few weeks have been a, a real twister turneroo, but uh, I think things are starting to get back to normal. So I'm doing all right. Good. At least one of us is. Yeah, I know all about it, man. But I'm here. Each and every one of us on the episode tonight are dads. We are roughly around our mid to late 30s, early 40s. All lifelong exploitation horror fans. So the quandary comes to this. When you have been a lifelong fan of creepy things, of movies uh, that make people sick, or that uh, have spooks in them, you like Halloween, and you become a father or a parent or anything, you know, you have kids. How do you successfully navigate the minefield that is your obsession and bring your kids into the fold in a way that doesn't traumatize them for life? (laughs) Like what happened to us, probably. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, fortunately for me, it was mostly self-inflicted. My parents did introduce me into the universal uh, monsters first. So that's a pretty good um, easing in point for, for a lot of stuff. But a lot of like for me, I had a natural morbid cur- curiosity to horror films and stuff like that. So I have three daughters. 
And I think when you have daughters, at least in our our culture, they are pushed more towards princess things and safe things. At least I have not tried to do that. But I think naturally, once they hit school age and when they're younger, um, family members always want to get them super happy, safe things. But my daughters, because they were around somebody who makes horror films and who has been watching horror films obsessively since he was a child, through osmosis, they have come into contact with a lot of very inappropriate things. (laughs) (laughs) So my question tonight is to to my panelists is, well, what do you what are your thoughts as a parent being a horror fan and what you want to introduce to your kids and for the listeners who may be of this age or maybe they're they're that cool aunt or uncle or cousin how do you pick the right movies to show to that certain special kid that you want to bring into the fold so that's what tonight's episode on kids horror is all about andrew Let's let's start off with you because you you have is your daughter two years old now? She's three, man. Three she's years three. old. She's three. So yep. has have you started the process of showing well, you obviously have spooky stuff around your house, right? Yeah. I mean, I've I grew up in a in a house with uh, any and anyone that listens to the the interview you did with me uh is gonna know this. My dad is a horror was a horror freak. So it was um i was actually really afraid of all of that stuff because it just you know i didn't have time to process it i didn't have time to be introduced to it no one went oh let's make sure this doesn't freak him out that didn't happen that wasn't part of the thing dad just he loved horror since he was a kid and just you know thought that i would too and i did not <laughs> so so um it just so happens that i think it's like a maybe you know, it's kind of random how it manifests itself. I was like, you know, I'm not going to do that with my kid, dude. I'm just going to see what she's into. And, you know, if she doesn't pick up on it, she, you know, she might not have even enjoyed movies yet. But as it turned out, right from the get go, even as in infancy, she was soothed by the sounds of old horror movies. And the first music that she ever reacted to was um, the theme from The Blob starring Steve McQueen. That's amazing. Yeah. And so it just so happened that dad passed away about six months after she was born, uh, a couple weeks before Halloween, which is the most important holiday uh, in our lives and was definitely dad's favorite holiday. Just kind of as a a way to honor him, um, my friend Dee made a uh, Halloween costume for my daughter's uh, very first Halloween. And uh, it was the female vampire, um, Jess Franco's female vampire. And so it was a uh, kind of a tannish onesie with a cape and a belt. <laughs> and of course, my friends gave me the passy that had the fangs in it and stuff. And so we just watched Rocky Horror Picture Show and some other stuff. But as as she's gotten older, I've tried to be, try to be a little bit more sensitive and be like, well, maybe this will scare her. I don't want her to get scared like I did. But nothing scares her. Nothing. It, well, that's a big thing that I've had to sit in and realize is that I think the key to doing this and to su- successfully integrate your child into some of this stuff is you got to one, let them kind of find out for themselves, but two, you got to kind of know what triggers them to begin with. Because my oldest, um, she hates anything with guns. Guns absolutely freak her out. Surprisingly, Big, huge rubber monsters don't freak her out, but guns absolutely freak 
her out. Now, Daniel and Mark have boys, correct? Yes. Yes. So your experience is, I want to say, is going to be a little different, um, but I don't want to generalize based on gender because, uh, you know, I think – that that could be a problem <laughs> with with me is that I'm I I I, I want to walk on tippy toes with my girls but I shouldn't because they're a lot braver than I ever was when I was a no, kid. No, but it's fine. I mean, I understand what you're saying, and it is true because you're a dad. You are the father of girls, so it's just your natural instinct is to, you know, daddy's little girl. So I mean, I I get what you're where you're coming from with that. It's like oh, you got the boys, you know, so. But I, I, I get it. How old are your boys roughly about now? Uh, I have one kid, and he is 11 years old. And uh, that just, you know, he's at that prepubescent stage right now. So it's it's a whole other shit storm of child rearing that I am completely <laughs> unprepared for. Uh, you know, I've been doing this flying by the seat of my pants as it is now. But, uh, yeah, he's 11. He'll be 12 in a couple of months. And have you tried introducing him to any of this stuff or oh. is, is he not interested? Oh, no. He uh, I mean, it's I don't even want to be like this huge monologue, you know, but my story was kind of like you, Derek. And, you know, growing up, it was my grandmother of all, you know, deeply religious family. But my grandmother, of all people, had a thing for Vincent Price and Universal Movies and the Night Gallery. And so I grew up watching those, but, you know, didn't really watch the bad stuff unless it was like you and when it was self-inflicted. Well, when my son was born, naturally, I'm a metalhead. And so his exposure to it was kind of sort of just me being stupid, like his first reactions to music where he, his first song he was headbanging to was Decency Defied by Cannibal Corpse. one that he would headbang to was Behemoth because Demigod had come out and that's still my favorite Behemoth album and I think the thing is is that see I had a system in my car so the when the kick drum you know I mean they're just doing those blast beats and shit it would massage the back seat and he'd fall asleep Because Behemoth is not easy music. No, it's not. And see, that's the other thing is because, yes, I still 
he can't understand what the fuck there's hell i can't understand what they're saying so, <laughs> you, have to, you know unless you read the lyrics and unless you listen to it for years and years and years you don't know what they're saying so yeah right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll take the piss on that one and i'll just you know i'd i'd let it slide so i kind of did that with my movies is that i don't really want you know being a kid i don't want that big hormone injection he's already got enough on his mind as it is so yeah. pretty much my rule is no titties and just no lurid sex I'll let him watch anything else in the world. It could be the most gorious, heinous crap ever, but I'm still there. And, and again, each parent to his own, if you feel your child can handle it, then, you know, that's between the parent and the child. And for me, watching some of these movies, I would, if I'd see it, maybe kind of start rattling him a little bit or like, mm, I would, because he's a filmmaker. So I would explain to him, you're like, do you see how they did this? Do you? You want to know how they did that? And I would let him watch a YouTube video or, you know, we would go behind the scenes with certain movies. Yeah. But then some horror movies, I do just want to scare the shit out of him. So every, <laughs> so every Halloween for the past, I don't know, four years, I'll at least pick one movie that, I, you know, like what I call the cream of the crop. Because his generation, y'all know this, these kids had the attention span of a damn gnat. Yeah. So sit, sitting down to watch a movie is damn near impossible. But we'll take a movie, especially on Halloween, I'll pick the cream of the crop, you know. So last year it was In the Mouth of Madness and Event Horizon, you know, some of my absolute favorite movies that I feel I just would like to share that experience with him. And uh, so there's been movies like that or like The Fog, um, which I saw in broad daylight and scared the shit out of, you know, at, with him. If I'm I feel that if I am with him. And to let him experience that. And then, of course, I can live vicariously through him as well, because, you know, I remember being a kid watching it and being absolutely terrified. Yeah. And so that and that's all. That's my long winded thing about introducing the horrors. <laughs> I kind of just threw him in both kind of like the way my dad taught me to swim here, jump in the water and then just throw me in. <laughs> <laughs> quit, quit crying, you pussy swim. You said you said a few interesting things. So maybe this is something that's more of a societal thing. What's with the titties? And it, you can show gore, but you're you won't allow him to see the human body. Okay, now here's the thing. Again, it's the gore is being subjective. And then sure. whenever I say the titties, most of your horror movies, because look at we're on we talk about exploitation and stuff like that. I mean, we do that. You know, they make these films that pushes the envelope. It's like it's all hyperbole. Right. As I slowly introduce him, you know, to these things, I don't want his first reactions to be hyperbolic, you know, masochistic sex that <laughs> I wanted to be the shit that I grew up yeah. with <laughs> watching and shit like that. It could be tasteful, like uh, certain scenes that he did watch. Like I remember, um, oh shit, what was it? Um, it was a cannibal. Was it a cannibal movie or a zombie movie? It was the one that had they were in the African tribe that had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. And I forget the name of it. I'm sorry. So, stuff like that, where it's not lurid and completely exploitative. I'll let that slide because you are correct. It's part of the anatomy and there is no need for him to do it. Whereas, you know, rape revenge. Hell no. We ain't, I don't even like those movies. But I mean, you know, things like that is again, it's all discerning to the kid. Not to mention, like I said, I remember my hormones at that age. And so I just kind of have to tread that water lightly 
mainly out of <laughs> mainly because of me and not even him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really key. You also touched on another thing is that you need to realize the attention span of most kids now are very small. And I've been training my kids. <laughs> it's weird for me to say it like this, but <laughs> every Friday night is movie night. So before bed, they get to stay up late and we pick out a movie and they'll sit. And uh, at first, they only watch bits of them. But then as time has gone along, now they'll watch a whole movie. I have then started taking them to movies because I knew at least my my middle child is a very active child. She's She always is at get up and go. Her mouth runs a mile a minute. Her attention's <laughs> all over the place. Her first movie I ever took her to in the theater that she sat through, she she wasn't quiet, but she sat through it, was when they reissued Ghostbusters a few years ago. Oh, nice. And the entire time she's like, Dad, why is that gr- that ghost green? Dad, why is that ghost yelling? Dad, why are they shooting a ghost? Dad, why does that ghost go through the wall? Like the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you got to try and gauge whether or not your kid's going to be able to put up with city, sitting through movies. But uh, anyways, Mark, how did you – are your boys even remotely interested in this kind of stuff? They're more into like the sci-fi fantasy stuff, right? Yeah, my kids really haven't shown much interest in horror and – I have not pushed them or, or set, had them sit down and go, you got to watch this just because I did as a kid. Cause my parents were, I don't know if you want to call them hippies or whatever, but they showed me, I saw so much shit by the time I was 10. That <laughs> I, this stuff I should not have seen. One of the stories I always tell is I saw Conan the Barbarian in the movie theater and it would came out in 82. So nice. I was already one and I was seven. So nice. I was a bit skewed as a child, but my children, I mean, I, I haven't hid my horror from them either, uh, but it's one of those where I'll ask them occasionally, you know, you want to watch this or whatnot. And they don't have much interest. My oldest boy, uh, when he was young, he couldn't even, he, he did not like even going through the horror aisle. He didn't like the covers of the horror films and he had an issue a uh, thing with death too so you know you know you, you got to gauge your child with some of these things but uh you know they they do sit through movies i mean they're teenage boys now but they still haven't had much interest in it but i i keep suggesting it now we have watched some things and it's funny i was looking online before the episode of seeing what is categorized as horror for children and it's actually interesting that comes up stuff like et and Edward Scissorhands, they've watched Edward Scissorhands with me. They've watched Frankenweenie, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. They've watched that stuff with me, and, and they like that. They, they enjoyed that stuff pretty much. But they haven't had too much interest in the horror. And I'm like, if they want to watch one, you know, I'll be happy to sit down and watch it with them. But their interests don't exactly run in that same way. They're more of the sci-fi fantasy type of guys. Uh, than they are the horror and you know and i respect that and i'm like that's fine you know oh hell yeah you know for me it's like yeah i'm a huge horror fan and i've got horror stuff in my workroom, and i've got you know horror dvds out everywhere and that and they look at them and they they ask me questions sometimes about them uh you know my oldest (laughs) he he throws logic in the mix and goes well why'd they do that why don't they just do this and i'm like okay yeah you're you you don't want to watch this then (laughs) (laughs) quit thinking so much (laughs) you're gonna be just sitting there going 
uh, well, that was dumb. Uh, why'd they do that? <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> so, and I love that about him and, and how his perspective on things. So, and my, my youngest, uh, no, they're, they're both more of the video game fantasy uh, sci-fi stuff. They go to the, you know, but they sit through f- films ever since they were young. They have actually sat through a, a whole movie though, uh, which I give them props for when they were younger. So they do do that. It's just, they haven't had an interest yet. And, and, I'm like, if they're ready or they have time, you know, they'll do it. Unlike me, who was sitting there eating Kentucky Fried Chicken while I was watching Hellraiser with my dad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you also feel maybe some of the problem is is there's not all, as much horror-related content being made for uh, for a younger demographic now? Well, I mean, they're making the PG-13 films. It's just that, in all honesty, and I think this is a problem not just with horror but in general – but there is just so many movies out there now and so much that they have access to that horror kind of does get buried because, yeah, there isn't – in relation to a lot of the other stuff being created, yeah, there is not as much horror content out there. Uh, and horror for kids, with everybody so easily offended in the PC nation now, filmmakers tread a fine line whenever they start getting into something that involves horror and children that might be geared towards children because they're afraid of offending anyone. So they, some, they don't make as much. So, yeah, I, I think part of it is there's just a lot more out there in general, whereas when I was a kid with the VHS age, they were looking to fill shelves so – that horror section in the VHS section was huge, Mm -hmm. you know? And now if you go to the horror section of any rental place, they don't even have it broken out by, you know, if you can find a rental place, usually by genre anymore, it's just by title uh, in a lot of places. So yeah, I, I think it's partly content isn't quite being made. And I think there's just so much out there now that it, it, it's kind of getting buried. Yeah, I do think it is a societal thing where now the PC police have kind of, you know, scared a lot of studios into making homogenized product for kids. We're back in um, not to get on my soapbox and not to get on my porch with my shotgun. No, preach um, on, man. Preach on. Preach on. <laughs> but but I, I, I do think back in the day they, they did take a little more of a chance on some darker material. Like, let's let's just throw out there like. The Dark Crystal. Andrew, do you think that's more of the case now that they're a little scared? They don't want to put darker material. I mean, there's some stuff out there like Paranorman and, and Frank and Weenie and stuff like that that are being made. But do you think maybe it's, it's a societal thing that we're not getting some more of the darker children uh, content? Well, I, I just think that you're talking about uh, several generations removed from uh, from horror that was made, uh, you know, fr- with a with something in mind besides like destroying your life. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. The, because what, what used to scare people um, is not the same thing that scared people post night of the living dead or exorcist. You know, once, once you had those horror movies that redefined the genre, there was no going backward. Nobody was going to go to a horror movie that wasn't going to be the next really scariest thing. And uh, over time you get to now where, filmmakers don't even there's there's they don't even know how to do that like that's just too it's too far in the past the more gothic sensibility is that what you're more referring to even just something that a kid could just go watch and not you know just be completely screwed you know what i mean something not necessarily an adult story because crimson peak is an adult story 
You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's one of those really rare kind of things. So no, this is the, the language of horror cinema has just changed so much. I mean, we're talking about 2016. We're a long way away from the stuff my dad grew up with. He loved horror because in the fifties and sixties, you know what I mean? That's who horror was for. Was right. children. I mean, him and his brother, they'd get on the bus and go watch horror movies all day long. It's just not the same anymore. I was thinking another thing that we've got is, see, we've got a convergence of a just basically one gigantic paradigm enema is that, you know, whenever you were saying horror, and I speak because I'm an 80s kid, I was born in 1980. So, I mean, I grew up what I call the best decade, the golden era of <laughs> fantasy and sci-fi and horror, which a lot of times co-mingled because, you know, you have Conan right on the heels of Conan. They released He-Man, Masters of the Universe toy line, which blended fantasy and, you know, elements like that. Well, then all through the 80s, you've got Labyrinth, Neverending Story, Dark Crystal. You've got these fantasy elements and we didn't have the Internet. So we had films, and that's where our imaginations had to go from. Well, see, nowadays, because of the Internet and the kids' shortened attention spans, and then you've got Let's Plays of, at times, really awesome horror games, but these horror games that are freaking scary as hell. If you played Outlast, I mean, my God, these games, you know, and kids like my son, that because I see him do this every day, they watch YouTube, they watch Let's Plays. You know, they're not going to play the game anymore shit they're just going to watch someone else play the game on youtube so in a sense it's it's almost like the magic is dying in front of and i mean sure that's here's my soapbox let me move my soapbox around and you know get on that get off my lawn no i think but, you are really speaking to something here i think you are onto something here go ahead no i was just saying sadly i can't really grasp you know the actual idea but i mean you do get what i'm saying is that it's just kind of like, you know, it's this paradigm shift and nobody's really reached out to grasp that kid's horror fan. You know, like the fun shit. When I was a kid and you go to a bookstore and right before Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark came out with, the, you know, the cool Alvin Schwartz book. Before that came out, you had these little anthology books that I scour Amazon for. I have three of them now, but like 13 scary tales and, you know, 10 bone chilling tales. And a lot of times it had some old crone and an old decrepit house that was painted on the cover. And it was just old folk tales. You know, it's just the magic of mm-hmm. that era as a kid. And it really ultimately, it just makes me sad. And that's why I try to let my son at least to show him these movies from when I was a kid to share that is kind of like when you passing campfire tales and your folklore these i see these things going away and it's, i just really do not want that to <laughs> to die out when i do <laughs> so that's why i want it i feel it's over but yes yeah, what i see is missing in this well, day i think i think you're hitting on something i mean the video game explosion i think cut into that because you look at some of the games and stuff that kids play nowadays you know, even if they're not supposed to, if they're in that age range, it, most of the kids, I mean, you know, they're playing the first person shooters and that and guys heads exploding and that, you know, whereas, yes, my soapbox, when I was a kid, we didn't quite have that. I mean, when Mortal Kombat came out, it was it was freaking parent associations were wanting to ban the thing because you would uppercut the guy and blood would fill the screen and you're like oh my god that well was- let's be honest before that point you didn't the the technology wasn't there to be able right. to depict things like that in a photorealistic manner 
Yeah, right. all we had was Dawn of the Dead and scanners. As far as head <laughs> explosions, that was it, you know? Well, that and that's what I mean is there, you know, it's starting to get into the interactive part with the Mortal Kombat. And now with the video games, like uh, you said, it, it was some of those video games out there are, are freaking scary. I started playing Left 4 Dead. Oh, God, I love that game. My buddy hooked me onto it. And I tell you, I hadn't had nightmares, zombie nightmares for years. I played that over Christmas vacation, like constantly at night. I was having zombie nightmares <laughs> because, oh, because that game was so atmospheric. But yeah, you've got games like that now that are immersive. You got these immersive experiences for them that are interactive, that even though they're video games, they're pretty doggone good. So when you get to a horror movie, they're like, eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they're like either they see it before they don't have interest because they'd rather interact with it. And it, it, it's a cultural change for our kids uh, as well to whereas us, I mean, as much as we were exposed to, let's face it, the culture in general was a little bit more innocent than it is today. Innocence, that's the proper word. Is whenever I say like the fantasy, the magic, that's the other word, the the innocence of when I was a kid. That thank you, you hit that one right. Yeah. Yeah. And and also it also I think the appeal for watching the horror films was that, especially when we were younger, that appeal of we weren't really supposed to be watching. <laughs> oh my god, I'd have had my ass tore up if, if my dad had caught me watching some of that shit you, you know i i think you know well it's one of those things you know you're watching a rated r horror film in society or whatever the mpa rated it r and here my dad's putting in hellraiser and it's like oh yeah you know <laughs> we're watching this you know it, it's kind of a it was kind of a thing with my dad but it was also one of those things where you're kind of breaking you know going against the man so to speak i'm seeing a, a movie early you know and nowadays it, it it isn't a cultural. It is a cultural and exposure thing, I think, and it is an, a bit of innocence, not so much maybe of us, but of the culture surrounding us, that is not quite there now. I mean, they t- talk about PG thirteen. It, it, I laugh, I joke because they put the PG thirteen rating on there. We were just talking about, you know, not letting someone see the exploitation part, the movies, uh, if you will, in a horror film, uh, but letting the kid watch gore. And then we get some of these PG thirteen movies, like say the Fast and Furious films, where you've got girls wearing next to nothing, uh, <laughs> and people don't seem to throw a fit about that. But my God, if they watched someone's, you know, explode, oh God, we can't have our kids watch that that's going to be rated r because someone exploded never yeah, mind exactly. they never mind they know that it's fake i mean <laughs> you know yeah, well, that's a big thing is being able to have that conversation in a constructive and realistic manner with your children when it comes to this kind of stuff because that's something that uh, i and maybe it's just because i'm surrounded by movies all the time and my my kids have seen me in the process of making them and they've seen prosthetics and they've seen things in the course of them being made that they question what they're watching and they've questioned how you produce things. So when we watch things, we have a very open and frank conversation about, you know, Hey dad, how are they doing that? Is that real? I'm like, no, like, like say for example, because very er at a very early age, my children were interested in Kaiju films. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my oldest child, she loved Mothra, 
And we had to have conversations like, Dad, how are they, how is he, or how is Godzilla stomping all on all of these uh, buildings? How did they make him so big? He's really just a guy in a big rubber suit. So <laughs> this is how they're made. And uh, I think that's a, a key ingredient to introducing your kids to this, to realize that this isn't real. What they see and what you guys are talking about with the internet culture and with video games, I, I, I do think is changing inherently uh, not only the conversation about uh, extreme and, and visceral content with children, it is diminishing the effect of some of this stuff. But uh, little kids, at least my kids, and we'll, we'll transition right now into maybe some of the movies that uh, we'd like uh, you guys to know about that if you, you're in this position where you want to try and uh, show your kids uh, some stuff that, that isn't internet-based uh, shockumentary footage or uh, virtual reality Oculus Rift video horror, which is a reality now. I've seen a bunch of videos on some of this stuff, and I don't even want to experience it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's cool as shit. Yeah, forget that fucking shit. I have enough real-life <laughs> horror in my life. I don't need that kind of stress. But uh, if you want to introduce maybe some younger kids or some maybe like 10 to 15-year-old kids to some some cool horror movies, we're going to give you some movies but um, one of the movies that I've, I showed my kids that um, not only made them be so quiet and so fascinated, yet kind of really freaked out, <laughs> was 1990s The Witches. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma, it's me, Luke. Luke. They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. Who's the Grand High Witch? Join Luke on his remarkable journey. Ah! Now, the witches are on his tail, and he must scurry around their evil plots, squeak past every danger, finally setting the trap that will save the world from the witches. You are in for a treat. We must stop them. Probably one of the most disturbing children's films ever made. Andrew did an entire episode of Cult Core on the witches, which they went way in depth into. And if you want to hear all about the witches in vast detail, go to the Cinemaphile podcast and go download that Cult Core about uh, the witches. But Andrew, let's give a, a brief summary. What do you think of the witches and in introducing a child to this film? Well, the way I do with my kid is um, I just go with what she's got an interest in and, you know, kind of put that on. You know what I mean? And she, from the very beginning, I swear to fuck, there was some kind of soul transference because she likes to scare people and she loves to get scared. She just loves the jump. She likes the ha ha gotcha stuff. And she's three. And so, like, I'll tell you what's going to end up happening, dude, is she's going to get into horror like new stuff. 
uh, when she gets older. And by that time, horror is going to be so fucked and I'm going to be so sensitive from being old and being a dad that I'm going to be the one jumping under the seat. I swear yeah. to you, that's yeah. going to happen, you know, because it's the, the kind of movies that are going to be in the theaters as horror when she's older is, you know, just like it's going to be like The Purge, but the there, it rains chainsaws or something. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's score, everybody. But like, <laughs> how much further can it really go at this I, point? You know what, dude? I used to ask myself that question, and I don't even want to know the answer to it. You know, it's, there's, there's just going to be a whole like, you know, it's it's going to be the, the the Serbian Christmas. I don't yeah, really know. Live but, snuff shows. Yeah, I don't know, but. I just go with whatever she's into. And so, you know, I, th I thought maybe the witches would be cool because um, I read her that book when she was a baby. Like, you know, when we'd we'd have movie time at night, we always have because I wanted her to be cool when we go to the theater. So she has to understand that, you know, before bedtime, lights go down, lights go down and TV on means calm down, don't do anything. So she's been going to movies ever since she was, you know, teeny tiny. And she sits and watches them because she associates that, thankfully with uh being at you know being at home and being quiet so um uh the, the witches is i think it's too much I, I find it to be a disturbing movie i find it to be scary not as scary as the book because i got to the end and i was like well fuck this you know this <laughs> <laughs> Those kids, you know, there's no hope for some of them. You got to remember, Roald Dahl really likes to kill children. It's um, just dark. It, it is very, it is, it is quite dark. But the, the movie is lighthearted a little bit. Yes, but it, it just is. Has some, it has some special effects that I think are kind of akin to, um, you know, effects that disturb in a, a lot of 80s movies, which this was in 1990. But um, there's a scene where a, a boy is transformed into a mouse. And they don't just do puff of smoke. They don't do a cheap effect. This is a pretty elaborate effect. And there are some transitionary ones. And you're the ones I'm talking about yeah. where it's just this rubber, crazy half human puppet being shaken around. And they use smoke in front of it to kind of soften it a little. So it's not, you know, like something out of life force. It is a little much. I don't think I would. Uh, we, she has seen it, um, but it's. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. That one's it's not as bad as Return to Oz. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's up there. Yeah, the the witches. I I find it to be you know it is a rather dark film, but I find it to be so charming. Well, it's it, like it, Mouse Hunt in a way. Yeah, no, that was a good one, dude. I just I'd go Hocus Pocus before I go the witches probably. I don't even remember Hocus Pocus. What is Hocus Pocus all about? Dude, are you kidding me? Really? I don't remember it at all, dude. Oh Seriously? my god. Dude. Yeah, I don't, dude. Hocus I think Focus is a jam. Hocus Pocus is a jam, man. A kid now might not want to see that. Probably wouldn't want to see the witches either. But but Hocus Pocus is three witches, man. It's Kathy and Jimmy, Bet Midler, and Terry Jessica Parker and the cat. Oh, oh that's man. right. Yep. Oh, it's good. Oh. And Kathy and Jimmy is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like Jason Alexander in drag. <laughs> oh boy, my dick is standing up at attention. I'm not playing, man. I thought I was hot. She's my favorite one out of them three. God, Kathy. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, this not that episode, is it? I'm sorry. The, the, the witches, which is essentially about uh, this boy whose parents die. And he lives with his grandmother and his grandmother has a history when she was little of uh, coming into contact with witches. And in this universe, the witches, their sole purpose in life is to kill children and to eradicate children from the face of the planet. Now, the, the boy and his grandmother go on a vacation to uh, uh, this hotel 
that coincidentally is housing a convention for witches. And what are they there to do? To discuss why there has been such a lack of child killing. And Angelica Houston, who plays the head witch, the queen witch, is is come up with a formula that will turn all the children into mice so that there are no children on the planet. And unfortunately, the, the boy gets found because he's snooping and finds out their diabolical plot is turned into a mouse and has to try and figure out how he's one going to be turned back, which he may not get turned back and two, how him and his grandma can destroy the witches before they kill all the children. So, uh, Personally, I don't know, Dan and, and Mark, have you seen this flick? I have it's, not. It's been ages. I, I do remember it because I remember uh, quite vividly the boy turning into the mouse uh, in particular. But it's it's been a while. But I remember it being, yeah, rather disturbing. Well, it, it's because it, it talks about mortality in a very frank way. And it has total disregard for trying to be PC about the fact that these witches want to flat out kill children. Well, and it's made by a horror filmmaker. Nicholas Rogue made Don't Look Now, which is about a dead kid. You know? Yep. Yep. And there's so many scenes or, and now that you would never catch films doing things like this, where you have multiple scenes of adults trying to lure children away in order to do devious things to them. This is something that has come straight out of like the last time I saw something like that and it freaked me out was the Poughkeepsie tapes. There's a classic oh, scene in the Poughkeepsie tapes awesome. where uh, where the, the lead killer goes and grabs a kid off of the lawn and runs off. And there's stuff like that right in this movie. But don't fret. I, I, I know we've kind of sold this as being a really hard movie. It, it is uh, the, the all the effects are done by um, the Jim Henson mm-hmm. puppet studio. So all the effects work is wonderful. The, the when the kids turn to to mice, it, it I think it's so cute. <laughs> it's yeah. so I mean, charming. a kid that's seen Harry Potter movies isn't going to find none of that scary. You no. know, there's no giant snakes and there's no like really suspenseful. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. No, it's just some of the situations and scenarios are rather disturbing. And the the witches, when Angelica Houston turns into uh, the old, decrepit, haggard, huge-nosed, huge prosthetic witch, it is a little a little much. Like, my girls were kind of like, whoa, are, are they really witches? I had to have conversations with my daughters about, are there real witches, Dad? <laughs> For days afterward. (laughs) Answer, yes. Yes. Try not to grow up to be one. (laughs) But uh, I I think it's a a hell of a movie. And I think if – as long as you can have real conversations with your kids uh, about what's going on in it, I think it's a great kids movie. And one other movie I want to bring before I move on to everybody else is a movie that when I was a kid, last, it stuck with me. I only ever saw it once when I was a kid, but stuck with me for so many years that it was that movie that I didn't know the title to, but I remember like, 
I had stared into the sun for an hour and my eyes could see nothing but that. So in the back of my brain, the movie, the midnight hour from 1985, which was a television movie, a television zombie movie was one of these flicks where it's, it's about this small uh, little podunk town where a bunch of high school friends during like kind of a prank raise the dead and the entire town is full of zombies and they have to figure out how they can get rid of uh, the zombie person. Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. Eternity is about to play a nasty little trick. Who's there? On the carefree kids of Pitchboard Cove. You know what you're going to wear to the party yet tonight? And uh, it was finally released, I would say, probably like 10 years ago on DVD. And uh, it's found another life of its own. But for a long time, I could not I totally forgot about it. But I I, I forgot about what the I didn't remember what the title was because I watched it on TV. But it is one of these kind of Ooga Booga Monster Mash kind of flicks that I think for for a kid that's maybe like eight to 13 years old might be a good introduction into horror as well. Have any of you guys seen The Midnight Hour? Yeah, dude. I saw it when it came on TV. I just remember, see, man, dad really wanted me to be in a horror, but I was scared of everything. I was like, you know, Margaret's talking about not being able to go down the horror, the, the the aisle with the, I couldn't go down like Halloween masks or, you know what I'm saying? Like definitely not in the video store. I couldn't do none of that stuff. But I had a real curiosity about monsters, about, you know, all of that stuff. I just couldn't watch the movies. So I would read like all the books and the magazine, you know what I'm saying? Like I would, I would, I would creep myself out, but um, this was one of those things where I thought, well, if it's on TV, it's not going to be scary, you know? So right. it was like one of those first things that wasn't like an old horror movie because dad, you know, he was all about showing me the the tingler, which I actually have a family history with um, if I don't mention it later. Um, but like, you know, black and white and all that stuff, but they're old. So I, I, they weren't going to be scary to me. But Midnight Hour is kind of right in there, you know? It was like it was in color. And, you know, there was so it was a new horror movie that I could watch. It was pretty fantastic. I felt very brave watching The Midnight Hour. I don't think it played very much. No, but I taped it, you know, um, because I had a Ghostbusters tape also um, and it was a dub. So this is one of those things where because Ghostbusters does have some things that did scare me. Like I was a little bit afraid of a couple of things in it. But this one, you know, it's a monster mash zombies, got witches, vampires, you know, teenagers. It's a very much like an old school style even though it's 80s, um, you know, it's a lot of like, like Monster Squad, stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah. Except with more grown-ups in it. Dude, I've never even heard of this movie, but, I mean, you want the horror factor is a middle-aged man is excited about this. Like, I'm going to find this movie. This sounds awesome. It's, <laughs> it's, it's cheesy. I mean, it's got a music musical stuff in it, and you know what I'm saying? I like, am it's, all it's, over this. It's got, <laughs> it has, uh, for the time, it has a surprising amount of African-American actors in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sherry Belafonte is in it, man. And LeVar Burton's in LeVar it. LeVar Burton, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, no, it's, 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 I haven't seen it in a very long time, uh, but uh, my friend Murphy, she, she, um, she gave me a, a burn of the DVD and so it was nice to kind of revisit that. That didn't age too well, 
pretty, pretty freaking corny, but for a kid who's just trying to get in there slowly, ease into it. I mean, trust me, all those movies are there. If I wanted to watch Evil Dead, my dad would have been stoked as shit. Oh, yeah, of course. But there was no way I was doing it. Even my friends would come over and see all the tapes like, you, you got Dawn of the Dead. I'm like, yeah, you know. And they're like, can we borrow it? And I'm like, yeah, get it the fuck out. I don't <laughs> yeah, take it, please. I'm not watching this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my dad was like, who the fuck took Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> <laughs> what'd you do? Andrew, what'd you do? <laughs> well, you need to get on your skateboard and go over to that boy's house and get my goddamn life force back. <laughs> <laughs> and he took deadly friend fuck this kid <laughs> oh man deadly friend the the basketball to the head scene don't even i mean yeah i just wasn't ready you know oh boy mark have you ever seen the midnight hour actually no i have not but uh now that you've talked about it i've got to go see it now. oh definitely check it out it's it's a great like like andrew sold it really well yeah it's an ooga booga movie that's that's pretty cheesy but i think for kids it's a great little flick that they they could get into uh daniel what was the movie you wanted to bring in tonight to talk about <clears throat> all right excuse me and uh, let me go ahead and preface this with an apology as I will get incredibly excited and probably ramble, but I mean, that's fine. When I look back over the course of history, you see the Kings of comedy being the three stooges. They were brothers. You know, it was a really cool thing. They were great. But then you have others like uh, John Cleese who was uh, inimitable in his own right, but there is one man who stands above it all. His name is Ernest P. Worrell. Oh, baby. The P stands for power tools because of his start doing the uh, commercials and whatnot. You know, so you have Ernest Scared Stupid. From Touchstone Pictures, if you're looking for danger, if it's action you crave. I know Tai Chi Kung Fu There's only one man who's above the law. Ernest P. Worrell is here. And below average. Summer and summer. He's fighting an army of killer trolls. Hey, hey. And he's a hero who never knows when to quit. Just ask my fourth grade teacher. He never knew when to quit. Only in theaters. Ernest Scared Stupid. Rated PG. And quite honestly, this has got to be probably the greatest Halloween movie of my entire life, my entire universe. It just, if it wasn't for Ernest movies in general, I'd really have no jokes. There'd be nothing to say. There'd be nothing <laughs> funny. So, Your whole repertoire is nothing but, but you know what I mean? I mean, that's it. It's Jim Varney was a genius and God rest his soul. He just, he can't be topped. I mean, that's just, he, nobody yet. The only close Thing, close proximity to Jim Varney's prowess would be Jim Carrey whenever he would do Ace Ventura with the rubber face. But other than that is Jim Varney. So you have Ernest Scared Stupid, which I have to say would be perfect for kids. My son grew up watching Ernest movies because his dad loves Ernest movies. I mean, it's, I went to the theater to see Ernest Goes to Camp. I went to the theater to see Ernest Saves Christmas. Went to the theater to see Ernest Goes to Jail. Guess what? I was at the theater to see Ernest Scared Stupid. Loved it. My uh, my uh, little brother got scared shitless at Ernest Scared Stupid because of the troll. For anybody who has not seen this film, it, you know, if listeners listening, Ernest Scared Stupid is... I mean, it's an earnest movie. You you pretty much know what you're going to get. He's a trash collector as it opens up because he is a genius. You notice most of his movies, he's building contraptions, things like that, these big machines. So he's standing on his garbage truck and he's talking about he is, uh, what is it? The ruler of refuse, the czar of jars, the duke of dust. And he's just 
he's being a trash man screwing everything up. Well, supposedly, or in the movie, there is a curse where an ancestor named Phineas Worrell captured and imprisoned a troll. This troll was named Trantor, who was going around kidnapping kids and stealing their souls and putting them in little wooden dolls to do whatever trolls do. And so Phineas Worrell, they captured the troll and trapped him down under a tree. And then the troll's like, I'll come back and get you, Worrell. Well, the curse is is that the Worrell line would get dumber and dumber and dumber. So we get, we get to <laughs> present day, which is Ernest P. Worrell. And as it come to find out, he releases the troll. Of course, the, the wonderful line is, you know, where he, they build a tree house because Ernest has friends and his only friends are people with pretty much the same intelligence as him being, you know, 10, 11 year old kids. They build a tree house and uh, it's just the one liners through this movie. Here's the, the beauty of this movie is that I am 35 and every I mean, we watch this thing every year. This is like this is one of our yearly traditions for Halloween. We watch Ernest Scare Stupid, and every year there's something new that I never caught before, just little things. Like, you know, when they're looking for the, a place to do the treehouse. So they go into this part of the forest that they've never been in before, which is a lot spookier. And the kids are like, should we be here? This is creepy. And Ernest is like, well, I mean, there's nothing to fear. I mean, what's what's the worst that we could get is Dutch elm rot. And, I mean, none of us are Dutch. So, I mean, it just... <laughs> Little things like that that just I would never get until I watch it. So anyway, he get, they build a treehouse on the tree, and he's explaining the story about the troll that would come after the children first. And he says the way he brings the troll out is he says that, according to legend, when a whorl, and then the little girl's like, like you, gets on a tree like this and says, yay, I summon the Trentor, and then the troll comes out. And the rest of the movie is basically just one gag after another, after another ad nauseum or ad laughium, I guess I should say, because it, to me, there is never a dull moment in this film. My only caveat would be be with your kid when you watch it, because the troll can be scary. Like the creature effects in this film are pretty darn good for it to be. This was the last in the um the big budget, I say big budget using yeah. my quirky fingers. This was the last where, um, was it Disney? It was a Disney subsidiary. I can't remember if it was Touchstone or yep. uh, one of those. They had the right. So, so this is the last of your big budget earnest film. And I mean, you can see the budget whenever you see the creature effects and stuff, because like I said, just the troll was really creepy. And then when you combine that with, of course, is the musical score and the cues, add a lot to any movie but in this one you have your playful nuances of your musical score interspersed with the stings and cues when the troll would come out where they hit in with a big pipe organ and they get real ominous with it and so when you combine that with just you know strobe lighting effects and then they add that deep vocal effect to the troll itself when he talks he can get scary like i said my little brother watched the movie in the theater and he started crying <laughs> and I'm just, well, of course I still ask him what the hell is wrong with him, but you know, it's like, hey, what's wrong with you is earnest. But, uh, but yeah, just ultimately you got to watch the like this. I just, I, I, like I said, I can ramble 
on and on nonstop about it. It's just one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> it is such a super fun movie. I think earnest movies in general are just super fun with kids. My kids love the movies. They surprisingly, I have not showed them this one, but this is a really fun movie and you would see a marketable drop off in quality after this film uh, to the rest of them. Cause they just didn't have the budget anymore. This one, super, super fun. Mark, you have anything to say about this one? It's a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I remember him in the uh, commercials. Was it uh, 7-Up or Sprite? Which, which one was it? It was both. I, I think it was both. You know, Vern, there's nothing like a picnic in the great out of doors. Being at one with nature, know what I mean? And when you have a picnic, Vern, you got to bring plenty of my personal favorite, Sprite. The one with the great taste of lime. The one that undid the un-cola in that taste test. Yeah, Vern, nothing makes a picnic like good food, Sprite, and fire ants. Fire ants! Oh, 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 Vern! Oh, 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 oh! They're, they're fun. Definitely a, a appropriate for nearly all ages. Andrew, you have anything to add? I was just thinking, you know, I was sitting here trying to go, why am I, why did I not get into Ernest? I think it might be an age difference here because the, around the time when Ernest was starting to become, he was making his movies and growing in popularity was when I finally got into horror through another guy in whose name was Freddy Krueger. So yeah. that was happening around the exact same time. So like late 80s through early 90s, I was the, I was a Freddy maniac. I had like, I was, I was like begging dad, please take me to see, you know, the dream master. And my walls were just full of Freddy. Every, the video store knew me. I was going to come in and just, I was going to rent them all every, you know, once a month, I just do a marathon all the time. So it wasn't until I got my first video store job in the mid nineties. And uh, we had this tape there called Dr. Otto OTTO. Oh yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was Ernest. It was the guy, Jim Barney. And I was like, uh, this looks kind of different. I'll check it out. And I loved Dr. Otto. I was like, this guy's weird. What <laughs> yes. the hell's with Ernest? This is genius right here. And then a guy I worked with was like, did did you not see Ernest goes to jail and Ernest scared stupid? And I'm like, no, man. That's like, even my little brother didn't like that. And he goes, <laughs> you need to watch Ernest goes to jail and Ernest scared stupid. So I took those home and I freaking loved those movies. They are amazing movies. I'll say that. That's the thing. Remember, he got a start from out of I'll probably pronounce it wrong. Gaylord Sartain, Gaylord Sartain from how from a hee haw. And he started his had like his, you know, like Dr. Demento, this crazy ass psycho show. And uh, Gary Busey was actually another person that they had started that. And anyway, they were being friends. That's how you have Gaylord Sartain in Ernest Goes to Camp saves Christmas and uh, Ernest goes to jail. Sadly, in Ernest Scared Stupid, he is no longer in there. Bobby is still in there, but it's mm -hmm. Bobby and his older brother, Tom, Bobby and Tom Tulip, which is funny in its own right. There is a wonderful gag when Ernest is going to buy some troll repellent products that they sell. It's just incredibly funny gags. But yeah, that's where, you know, Ernest kind of got his notice from is he ended up meeting up with Gaylord Sartan and then they started doing their stuff. So then you got the Havern, it's Ernest TV series, which yep. is, you talk about crazy. I've got the DVDs showing my son and like, you know, he can handle all this stuff. He'll be watching this like halfway through the first episode. He's like, dad, this is insane. <laughs> 
Well, that's because in in this goes with most of uh, Ernest movies is that they are so jam packed with content that there's it's just like a total throw everything at the wall approach. And it, it, the editing, it just doesn't breathe. It's just like one thing after another, the entire movie. And there's such a cast of characters that he had surrounding him that it isn't just he isn't just the primary focus. There's other things going on as well. Oh, my God. I mean, that's it. You said that, right? It's just wall-to-wall gags. Like I said, it's like Ernest Scared Stupid being the last one, I guess, with their big budget is that everything is a gag. Everything he's done from all of his you know, TV commercial spots, he'll throw a gag in there. And this one that you could pretty much – and the way he sets it up is so seamless, though, is that it's just, it's just sheer brilliance. I just have to say it's, it's Shakespearean – in quality. <laughs> okay, here we go into that hyperbole that, was, that came up earlier. <laughs> but yeah, I'm done. Ernest Scared Stupid. If you haven't seen it and you can't get it, Twitter me, email me. I will send you my copy. <laughs> now, now is, there's, I know that I, Target had, um, the other day I saw it, I had Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest Goes to Jail um, on a, it was like five bucks to get all three. But is this like, you know, if I was to want to get one of them, is that like full screen or is there a, I a bet version? Because I don't want to do that because my daughter loves the Adams Family, the live action movies, but I bought them and they were full screen. The Scooby-Doo ones, she's loves Scooby-Doo. And I bought the Scooby-Doo movies and they were also full screen. I'm like, what the, what the shit, I think, man? I think they're full screen, but I mean, I have seen them on Blu-ray and it's worth the investment. Don't ask me because I'm prejudiced <laughs> to this. Well, no, I just, I think I just, it's worth the investment. It just, you know, it's just it seems to hold her interest when it's filling up the the screen uh, a little bit more. But also, like, I'd be interested in bonus features. Like, is there anything no. about the cinematography or the editing or? Unfortunately, no. It, it, sadly, it's just this is just one of those films. It's like they did a quick transfer, put it on disc, boom, and set it out there. There is no extra features, no bonuses, nothing. All your information you're going to get is on IMDb or Wikipedia, just, you know, whatever you can find about the characters themselves. But no, there's nothing yet that has been released. Well, I think a lot of a lot of those packs, those econo packs are just straight VHS transfers. Well, sometimes you never know, man. Sometimes they'll be anamorphic and sometimes they'll have, you know, the bonus features on them too. You just never know, but uh I yeah, I I would probably invest in uh, in that set then, you know, cuz I I would like to watch those again. They were cool. Yeah, I've been meaning to well, we actually if you go to Walmart, they do have some packs of of Ernest movies. But I'll warn you, the ones there are mostly the the video ones where you got Ernest Goes to Africa and and Ernest. Yep. And Ernest, what is the one? Uh, Slam Dunk Ernest. That one's funny. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, oh, God, those movies are (laughs) Yeah, they're terrible. But that one was actually kind of funny. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, man. Just just awful. Well, uh, Mark, the movie man, what was the movie you wanted to talk about tonight? Only talk about one. It's <laughs> just kidding. I'm gonna let that one breathe, Mark. Okay, I'm gonna let, you, breathe. You, 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 you <laughs> let that one breathe. Um, there's so many. A lot of them for me lean towards Mr. Tim Burton or Jim Henson because Jim Henson fucked us up as kids. Uh, <laughs> did he not? Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. There you go. Mic drop. Watch those. You. Pfft. Yeah, uh, 
<laughs> well, the famous story on the set of Labyrinth was that Brian Fraud's son, Toby, who played the baby in it, and Jim was constantly wanting to put the baby in, like, grave danger. And Brian kind of said, Jim, you can't set him up there on that thing. He'll fall and die. And he's like, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Let's just give him to David Bowie. He'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, because Brian No, Fraud's- that's, why, that's why David Bowie had that big bulge in his pants, because the baby was in there. Yeah. Well, he could bounce off of it, you know. <laughs> so those those lean more towards fantasy, though. Uh, you could categorize them probably as horrific, especially Gelflings getting their essence drawn out. But I guess for me, leaning towards pretty much uh, Tim Burton's either uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which I consider do consider horror, or possibly Frankenweenie or Corpse Bride. Any one of those three. Uh, I would I would recommend and those are good because those can those are good for younger ages. Uh, there is uh, you know Coraline as well, but that's a little more older, <laughs> more disturbing. I think Coraline um, goes a lot with the witches. I think those two kind of ride a very similar line. They, they do. You really got to gauge your kids, bef- your younger ones, before you have them sit down and watch Coraline because that that will screw. <laughs> that's, wow. But uh, I, I like those three stop motions from from Tim Burton. Any one of those three, they all kind of intermingle. Corpse Bride's a little more mature, but not much. But they're dark. They've got horror elements in it. There are some scarier moments in them, but nothing too severe uh, for them. And, and they'll enjoy the characters because all the characters are, I mean, especially Nightmare Before Christmas. That's one of my all-time favorite films. I've watched many films, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I got that soundtrack before the film even came out because <laughs> they released the soundtrack like a week before, and I drove my college friends nuts because I just constantly w- listened to it. And I watched it, and the movie just blew me away uh, because you've got your horror characters, your horror elements in it. And I think it's good, especially for younger kids, because they could watch it and the characters are scary, but they're, they've got little human personality to them, kind of funny personality to them. Plus, you can explain to them, well, you know, that monster there is supposed to be like Creature from the Black Lagoon or that's like the Invisible man or you know jack skellington he's he's the pumpkin king and he's jack-o'-lantern you know i i think it's a really good one for it and maybe people don't consider it a horror film uh but i i i do (laughs) there's a lot of monster mash elements to it so i would i would throw it in there it absolutely is yeah you know that one and also with frank and weenie is along the same lines It, it involves kids in that one, kids are the main characters, so that that's going to appeal to them right there. And they're kids who are different and who are into horror, but they bring those horror elements in in such a way. First, it's black and white instead of color, which helps, I think, you, you know, to ease the kid into it, you know. But there's some great stuff in there for that's one that adults, especially if you're into horror and kids will enjoy. You know, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I mentioned a podcast for me. I'm watching Frankenweenie and, and I go holy crap, he just put a clip from a Hammer Horror film on the TV. Uh, you know, it's like there's great references for everybody in there. And there, too, you can introduce kids to the different types of horror, you know, the monster kaiju horror or the werewolf. You know, there's a lot of elements in there, and but they're done in such a way to where it's not harsh or abrupt. 
yet it still is not a normal character either. It's a creepy characters, but they're creepy in a softer way, if that makes sense. Well, especially if you watch the original short film. Oh, for Frank, I, yeah. Yeah, for Frank and Weedy, because I, it's not nearly as overtly horrific as the, the newer movie is, where there's huge monsters and there's a, like this huge epic you know, finale that happens. Um, I love, and I've shown my girls the original, I have it on VHS still, the original Frank and Weenie um, short. It's a wonderfully charming little film. And it, it has a lot of obvious references to universal horror films. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved it. That's, that's a great introduction. Yeah, so th- those are my recommended ones. Any one of those three. Corpse Bride has some great musical numbers in it, and it's a little bit darker than Nightmare Before Christmas. But, uh, you know, all, any of those three, I would say definitely I would recommend for people looking to try to get their kids maybe into horror because it, it gives them the elements there, but it's presenting them in an environment that's not going to completely freak them out, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can. I'm if I can jump. I mean, you hit that right mark. Just because it's not depraved <laughs> doesn't mean that it's not horror. It's like what one thing I love me. I'm gonna get back on my soapbox here. I'm gonna borrow yours, Derek. Is whenever I was a kid, whenever you go to school and Halloween, you remember all the little buck tooth skeletons that they put up on there, and the happy smiley face Frankenstein's monsters, and the Wolfman with the one little snaggle tooth, and just like I said, you got the little the the acid skeleton with the buck teeth. You know the cute stuff is Nightmare Before Christmas. So just because it has these quirky fingers, horrific creatures doesn't mean that it's not horror it's make it fun celebrate it and i think that's one thing i loved about it was that it's it's not celebrating the depravity of horror it's celebrating the childlike wonder of halloween and horror that's a wonderful way to put it i absolutely and this is something that i noticed when i take because I, I take my kids to the halloween stores to check out costumes and check out stuff like that a lot of that stuff now is super intense like mm-hmm. like the masks, the fake limbs that are all over the place, and a lot of the yard setups are super intense. <laughs> and I take my little girls in there, I'm like, uh, they get freaked out <laughs> big time. So to see, you know, some of the more charming, kind of goofy Halloween and uh monster stuff, I love that kind of thing. There's a lot of it out there. Unfortunately, a lot of it's not being made now. Now, Andrew, I know you're a huge Frank and Weenie fan. Yeah. I mean, um, if anybody wants to hear me expound on Paranorman and Frank and Weenie and, and stuff like that, you can uh, go back to the modern horror. What was it called Modern Horror Rebirth episode yeah. that we did where we talked about the new horror movies and I said I I I, uh, I was heaping praise on on Paranorman and Frank and Winnie as being my favorite new horror movies because they are uh, just fantastic and I went that I, I, I talked about them at length but I mean I have a kid who is obsessed with Halloween at age three I mean she's constantly asking me can we go to the Halloween store I'm like it's only open in September and October dude and, I heard that question last week yeah and and like Home Depot during last Halloween had this grim reaper that was about 10 feet tall and when the customers would walk in the door it would go like and move its arm she would just stand there and hi and making it go off again i'm like god when i was your age i would have shit my pants and his pants (laughs) 
I would have shit in everyone's pants. <laughs> I have shit in everyone's pants. I would bird. shit on their asshole. I would shit. In- <laughs> <laughs> so what? What movie are you bringing in uh, to finish this up tonight, Andrew? Um, well, my thing is this: it's like uh, I have a kid who likes to get scared and like scary things, but um, likes the Dracula, Frankenstein, all those kind of characters and stuff. But when we see those made in new movies, and I'm only talking about new movies and not old, because let's face it. Kids don't want to watch old movies. They just don't. And so, um, you know, I would sit and watch The Tingler with my dad, but only because dad would be like, uh, you're going to watch this movie, then I'll tell you something really, really cool about about uh, Papa, his dad. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to hear the story. And, you know, I want to watch this movie. And The Tingler was, was pretty cool. Like, I love it more now than I did then. I just mostly thought it was cheesy, but he was like... My, my grandpa worked in movie theaters like he was he was a technician like he did projectors and stuff and he wired all the tingler seats when it was played in south carolina north carolina tennessee and georgia um during its theatrical run so my granddad like was responsible for putting the the buzzers in, under the seats and stuff and i was like well that's pretty badass um but uh for me uh it's got to be monster house next to us at lunch. You'll see no ghosts. Chatter, come back, please. <gasps> Chatter, I'm serious. <laughs> From executive producers Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg, this summer, oh no, when no one will listen. Don't go any further. Are you guys mentally challenged? If you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball. When no one believes. The house grabs things and pulls them in and eats them. (laughs) We'll see you later. It's up to them to save the neighborhood. We have to fight back. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to go inside a monster. I say it's worth a shot. Yes, I agree. Let's do it. Get ready to cross over. What are you weirdos up to? Oh, nothing. To the other side of the street. Just something in the house just tried to eat us. No more Mountain Dew. Don't make a sound. If those are the teeth and that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. Oh, so it's a girl house. What? Don't make a move. Freeze! Tree? you do don't go on the lawn don't look back i look back monster house stupid house directed by gil kennan it uh, it was it was a minor hit when it came out but it was uh, it took advantage of this the kind of motion capture thing that was going on that uh, Robert Zemeckis, the producer, would later do with the Polar Express, but it was too the characters looked too much like real people, and the Uncanny Valley happened, and no one liked it. 
But uh, Monster House was used the same thing with performance capture, but um, it was released in this weird kind of, I guess, stereoscopic 3D to where um, it was actually a kind of an immersive experience to watch it. And it's very 80s influenced. Uh, it's got that kind of feel. Well, it's also a little bit Harry Potter influenced if you think about the three main characters. But it's basically about these kids who have the scary house in their neighborhood. And they make up stories about it because there's a scary old man that lives there and, you know, wants to kill them if they get on the lawn. And they don't really, you know, they make up this all this horrific things. But it's got such great characters. It's funny. But when it gets scary, it's scary as shit. And mm. a kid is not going to be expecting that to happen. It's still bouncy and fun and jokey. And it feels just like, you know, most uh, kids' movies do now. You're uh, Hotel Transylvania's or your Pixar's or any any kind of CGI movie, but then it kicks into real ass horror. And there's a reason why the director Gil Keenan was picked to not only do the uh, Poltergeist remake last year, but is now going to, to be the Five Nights at Freddy director because uh, it's it's super scary. And in 3D, it's still some of the best 3D I've ever seen. When the house comes alive, and it is alive because it's possessed by Kathleen Turner. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's uh, the kids are inside it. So it is this house runs amok. I mean, it turns into a monster. It's an awesome movie and it is really scary. And the thing is, uh, what we got to remember is kids are going to it's going to be harder and harder to scare them with older movies. And I feel like by the time uh, kids are, you know, kind of old enough to watch anything horror, this will be just the right amount of scary for that next generation, I think, to, to kind of buzz them a little bit, which is what you need. You don't want Hotel Transylvania where it's monsters, but it's not a horror story. You know what I mean? Right. That's not that's not quite the same thing. And something like Goosebumps is a little too, with live action and horror, still too close to the scary side. Monster House, I feel, plays it right in the pocket. And it's so great, honestly, you'll forget you're watching a cartoon. I have actually not seen this one. I recommend that you do. <laughs> I shall now. I'm looking it, at it right it now. It, I'm on IMDb, and on the message boards, the first post is, this movie is very bad for children. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's perfect. I mean, it's a little bit yeah. The Burbs. It's a little bit Monster Squad. It's a little bit Goonies. You know, it's very, yeah, it's very 80s influence, but um yeah, the the guy was like handpicked by I think Spielberg was one of the producers as well. Yeah, I'm kind of a short, and uh, God, it's one of the best 3D experiences in the theater still to this day. I mean, I remember sit, sitting there going like, "Son of a bitch, this is good." And I I've played it for uh, for my daughter, and she, yeah, she loves this you know the moose, the mystery stuff and the spooky stuff and the Halloweeny things. Um, so the idea of there being a house that's that's scary. You know, obviously, Paranorman, if I'd not gone, you know, long about Paranorman on one of the other shows, that's what I would talk about tonight. Sure. But, um, this one is this is my my other choice. I want to make sure the world knows I don't feel like I feel like most, I bought the monster house for my nieces when they were young. And then later when they were moving, we helped them clean out their rooms and stuff. And it was never opened. So I took the son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> Mark's going to love this fact. The director also directed the remake of Poltergeist. <clears throat> Monster, House was real, Monster House was really good. Well, I mentioned that I thought it was a waste of his time, but yeah. the, the guy needs to work. He needs to still be getting, and that's probably why he got 
you know, if, if he'd not still been part of the conversation, he might not have got five nights at Freddy's. And because uh, like my 13 year old sister, she's like, hey, you know, you like horror. You should play this game. And I played it and I thought it was really boring. I just hate God, games. my son is so flipping his shit over when I told him about the Five Nights at Freddy's movie coming out. And then I told him Jim Henson's Muppet Factory is doing the prop work. You and know, the director of Monster House, everybody. Right. And to back into that, at Monster House, dude, Derek, I mean, is he's andrew said it is you watch it you forget it's a cartoon but it it, yeah it does i mean it's pretty horrific but also bear in mind we're grown-ass men watching (laughs) this movie so we can relate direct either directly or indirectly with you know the horrid shit that's going Mm -hmm. on in this movie Mm -hmm. from a kid's perspective see my son saw monster house we watched it he loved it because and i i think you know a lot of that horrific stuff you know it didn't really register with him he was able to watch it you know through a kid's eyes i like monster house i'm also a fan of you remember the oh god y'all don't hate me on for this one but you remember the movie the haunting liam neeson owen wilson yeah i actually enjoy that movie and it's not because it's a good movie because it's not (laughs) it's one of those movies that where my mind wanders it's gothic horror it's just it's not what's happening on the screen it's where my brain is going because it showed me that house and then all the creepy haunted shit happening monster house is like a good version of the haunting well haunting Uh, was made by jan de bont right the guy made twister was that his yes yes i didn't think it was that i mean I, i remember going to see it yeah yeah and you know it got panned and again i liked it i'm a fan of the haunting good yeah, and see, Monster House is like a better version of that. <laughs> it's it's a good one. It's worth your time. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, you know, if your fear is that the kids are going to get scared, don't show them anything horror related ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. But if but if you don't, if you're if you're gonna watch, show them horror, show them something that's gonna spook them just enough. Right. And, and and after they've gotten used to it, that's the way Monster House goes. You want horror? Okay, you be me and you go to the goddamn theater when you're a kid and you grow up my two heroes, well three if you count Captain America, but two heroes, man, He-Man and Optimus Prime. Go to the theater, watch Transformers the movie. Watch them Autobots start falling. Like when the Decepticons are just blowing the shit out of them. Then watch Optimus Prime die. Okay, that's horror. You could watch all these little <laughs> horror movies. Yeah, whatever. It's horrific. That's it. You watch Optimus Prime die, and then you can watch Monster House. You'll be fine. Trust me. God, I think the most horrific movie <laughs> I've seen was um, uh, Toy Story 3. Oh, that my God. One. See, some of the Pixar goes too far to me, and uh, I found them disturbing. I think if there's <laughs> any death, far, man. I think if there are any merchants of death out there disturbing children, it's Pixar. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I mean, stop me if you think that I'm wrong here, but those guys are trying to like make adult movies, you know, for children. I don't, I fuck that. I don't appreciate that. Well, I do think the last few movies that they have made have been far more geared towards adults, but marketed to children. Yeah, because like you know, the Good Dinosaur. There's a decapitation. There's a drug trip. You know, there's that flashback to his dad dying twice. In case you forgot, you know. Yeah, well, I personally really liked Inside Out, but I it definitely was not a kids movie. Or Up, Up well, no, is definitely not a kids movie. Kids understand the concept of all women being emotionally ruled by sadness and men being emotionally ruled by anger, just as a general statement. Kids don't understand that. Come on, they just you know they'll buy the doll. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you've shown them that stuff already, by all means, Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> 
<laughs> the next logical progressive step. Inside Out is a gateway to cannibal holocaust. Oh, I, they would have gone there if they could. And, and they still that, might, and they'll get an Oscar. Oh, on that note, folks, we're going to wrap this episode. Do, do I have a chance? Because I have like two that can, – can I blurb them real quick? I mean it won't be yes. all rambling like Ernest. Yes, okay, yes. the first one – Garfield. If your kids have not seen Happy Halloween Garfield or whatever the hell Garfield Halloween special, that is spooky as shit. But it's awesome. It's Garfield. It's a cartoon. But man, when the ghost pirates and stuff, there is a setup halfway through that where they go to the house and where they talk about the legend of these pirates. There is an entire sequence that just goes completely silent except for this creepy ass music. And these ghost pirates. And it's a Garfield cartoon and it's scary as hell. And that one just I'd recommend that. My only other one, Bunicula. Yeah. Oh, Bunicula. Oh, I showed my girls that a few weeks back and okay, they looked at me like hey, hey, Dad, this is dumb. No, it is not, because the sequel is the celery stalks at midnight. You can't make this <laughs> yeah. shit up. This is at this is the mark of brilliance. Well, I think that's a generational thing, because let me tell you, my girls looked at me like, Dad, what is wrong with you? This is dumb. (laughs) It's brilliant, man. A vampire bunny who only drains vegetables. That is absolute brilliance. (laughs) Anybody else have, have some quick hits? Watership Down. There's a horror movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. You gotta be that guy, huh? I gotta be that guy. I just was that guy. I am that guy. <laughs> there you go. You want true horror for your kids? Watch Watership Down, and then watch Old Yeller back to back. Oh boy, man! I remember growing up watching Old Yeller. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, before this gets into the soul crushing movies episode. Of uh, of Astro Radio Z for children. Uh, let's go ahead and go down the line and uh, let my listeners know where they can find each of us on the interwebs. Daniel, uh, I'm no one special. You can find me on Twitter at the Nightkeep or Nightkeep.com or ThroneOfAnguish.com, depending on whatever tickles your fancy. Awesome, Mark the Movie Man. Uh, SpecialMarkProductions.com, your one-stop shop for my stuff, uh, where you can catch my podcast, where uh, many of these uh, fine folks have stopped by. We actually did a dark 80s uh, episode where we covered a number of films like this. We also uh, talked about uh, Secret and M and uh, Last Unicorn. So there you go. Uh, But SpecialMarkProductions.com is where you can go to find my stuff. Yeah, I believe I brought the secret of Nim into that that one episode. (laughs) Very dark, dark, dark film. And Mr. Gonzarific, Andrew Shearer, where can the folks find you? And please talk about the brand new movie that's about to drop. Oh, hey, everybody. uh, My new movie, Late Night Cable, is available for sale right now, www.gonzarific.com, and uh, coming soon to Amazon Video On Demand. And uh, it includes um, a movie that was a horror movie, um, shot by my daughter when she was one year old <laughs> and it is the scariest thing on there by far it creeped out everybody at the screening uh we got her out of bed so she could come to the theater and check it out and she you know was quiet and stayed awake but i think it was a surreal experience but uh yeah we just would put the camp she would grab for the camera when we try to film her so like oh yeah here fine and so a lot of her home movies are very bizarre and they're more like a somebody on a drug trip maybe 
but she shot this one and it's just like really creepy. She's filming her hand shadows on the back of the couch and all this other stuff. So yeah, I just put a little music on it and that was all I needed to do. <laughs> so it's in there and then a bunch of other weird stuff that my friends and I make. Um, if you don't want to spend any money, go to YouTube and uh, watch some Gonzerific shorts there. Or if you just want to rent some stuff, Amazon On Demand has Pajama Nightmare, Mondo Gonzo, Fake Blood, and the Underground Cinema. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I funny thing you you said that I found actually Amanda found on her phone my oldest must have grabbed it and started taking pictures and on the Apple devices you can manipulate your face and expand it and contract it and then and totally contort it we found the most single most disturbing photo I've ever seen in my entire life of my daughter making a weird face but she looked like how can I put it are you guys familiar with Jerk Beast? No. Okay. Well, look up Jerk Beast on on the Googles, and that's what she looked like. Wait, what's so, going to come up if I Google Jerk Beast? I mean, <laughs> live a little, man. Just do it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Google them Jerk Beasts. So have a, have, have a nice night, folks. Find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hello.